Welcome to the Event Tech Podcast, where we explore the ever-evolving world of event technology every week. This show is brought to you by Endless Events, the event management company on the cutting edge of trends. Now, let's talk tech. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of the Meow Event Tech Podcast. Meow. Uh, This is... (laughs) We're just so happy to be here. I'm joined by the icy Brand Kruger of Event Technology Consulting. And that strange gentleman over there making meow noises is the medical wheel current of endless events. <laughs> I might need some medical attention after this podcast, that's for sure. <laughs> to be fair, pre, pre-show we were doing the meow version of uh, of uh, Crazy Train. So it was... <laughs> it's uh, definitely, you can tell, we're recording on a Friday, so you can tell it's a Friday for sure. <laughs> Um, so we want, we've talked about this a little bit about a year and a half or so ago. Um, we were talking about trends we were going to see starting to happen to the events industry. And we wanted to talk a little bit about follow up on one, which is the idea of like brain drain and kind of, you know, we talked about great resignation, brain drain, and kind of just how people were going to change through the events industry. And I, I think we're starting to feel it now that, uh, you know, uh, we're at the tail end, hopefully of a pandemic and that we are. Um, you know, starting to go more in person more often and, you know, the events are getting bigger again. So yeah. Um, Brent, I know you've had some recent experience with this and yeah. What do you, what have you kind of seen? <laughs> well, we did, we did have an in-person event. Yeah. Where, where a lot of the crew was new and, and it's, it's tough because there's a few different things that we need to navigate here. So there's, there's one, you know, just kind of understanding wh- where we're at in the industry. And then there's the other side is, okay, now what do we do with it? Um, on, on both sides. And yeah, yeah, we had, we had talked, yeah, probably definitely over a year or so ago. And, and anecdotally, I was hearing just that, you know, people were deciding to retire. It was even before really the big discussions of, you know, the great resignation and stuff like that. It was just that a lot of people got fired, you know, or let, you know, they were let go Mm. or they were furloughed and then they were let go. Um, uh, right, you know, pretty early on, uh, a lot of people were furloughed and then just said, "You know what? I'm not going to come back." Um, and specifically in in audiovisual uh, side of things and event technology, that there were just folks that they were like, "Yeah, you know what? I'm done." Um, and I was hearing that more and more and more. So mixed combo platter of people being let go and deciding to move on to other things, uh, people deciding to leave the industry, and then people just retiring mm-hmm. and saying, you know what, I've had my a good run, I think it's time to be done as well. And so we'd kind of talked about this a while back as something that looked like it could happen. And now I can safely say it has happened. We're, we're, but, we're unfortunately, we were right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this yeah. Is one time we don't want, didn't want to be right. <laughs> exactly. You, you know, sometimes you throw these predictions out there and you really, really hope that you're wrong. So I'm hearing from from a lot of planners, I'm hearing from a lot of my clients, and then I personally have experienced a lot of new people on site that don't know much about how to do things. Um, and even my wife, who I've, I think I've mentioned, has started doing more uh, things in the event side. She slowly worked her way into our industry. Um, she's struggling with AV techs on site uh, who clearly don't know anything more than HDMI cable goes here and then HDMI cable goes into projector here and then that's as far as it goes um, and not much more than that. So how do we start to deal with this as an industry now that things are starting to open up again and we're able to uh, actually start to get together in person again? 
Well, also I'll tie into then since we are the event tech podcast, uh, the 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 larger idea too of the event technology companies, right? These uh, even the companies that made you know millions of dollars who grew during the pandemic are now struggling. I think when it comes to staffing the on-site events because. Um, you know, like you can kind of see it in kind of how it's outlined in terms of these support packages. And we've talked about how support is probably the biggest feature that you should be having on your event technology. Go check that episode out. But I've noticed that a bunch of them are like limiting. They're like, oh, you get one hour of pre-production calls. Um, you'll get, you know, three hours of our tech time. And then you get this certain amount of hours for your event and that's it. And the only, you know, one reason why you do that is to monetize more. But I think honestly, it's because they're struggling to act like deliver the quality service that brand you and i have talked about that we want and so i think what's happening is that there's a struggle to you know just even fulfill the basic labor orders of a lot of these events you know people are short-staffed galore you know and um you know to, to your av point too one th- anecdote that i heard a lot of is that you know basically what happened is all the guys who were freelance you know, they, they, they struggled in the beginning to find jobs and get work and things like that. But then what happened is all the people who didn't enjoy it or didn't like it or weren't good at it left. And then what happened is you got left with the people who are really, really good. Well, they all stayed super duper busy. So now it's extremely hard to staff events with extremely well-qualified people because the guys who were really good at their jobs stayed really, really busy. And that's one reason why I like a lot of them those freelance guys are like, I'm never going back to W2, which is crazy because it was like, you know, and a long time ago, we were talking about how we thought that people were going to move more towards W2 for production and consistent work and things like that. But no, it's uh, the freelance game has totally changed over the last year. Yeah, the networks have shifted the 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 being able to get that access, exactly what you're talking about, to to good staff, um, has 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 become more difficult on the AV side. Let's let's start with kind of where you started on the event technology side. So one of the interesting things uh, to me uh, was just just recently, as we recorded this, uh, Event MB released their virtual event technology guide, and as part of that, they they send out a survey to event uh, virtual event providers, um, and then you know kind of look at that data and analyze it and try to look for trends and things like that. And one of the places where there was definitely an increase in spend and employment and things like that was on the support side. But I can't help but feel like they're still one step behind that, you know, as, as we talked about in the past, having that support be the number one feature of your online event technology, I, that they've, they've started to fill those positions of the online help. And mm-hmm. as to your point, now though, where people are starting to want help with their event technology on site. And so now mm-hmm. we're short in that area. <laughs> They've been, you know, for the most part, been able to start to, you know, fill those positions and get the actual customer support. And where I saw a lot of, uh, where there was a lot of increase was in 24-hour support and shortened turnaround windows for, uh, you know, how long it takes to 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 hear back from mm-hmm. support. You know, most of the time going down to less than 24 hours, and then on the day of your event, you know, it's less than you know a few minutes. Uh, for for someone to get back to you. So they've clearly prioritized spending money on hiring in the customer support side for the online universe. Now, though, as we start to return to to in-person events, where folks are probably going to start to see some uh, inability to get staffing is, okay, now I've got this event app. I want a representative from that company to be there on site 
to handle any mm -hmm. questions that people are having with how do I log in? How do I do the polling? How do I navigate the, the, the trade show floor? All of those kinds of things and getting those people to be able to show back up on site again. So planners, you could be having difficulty actually it's not a matter of being able to pay more for it although you probably will um <laughs> you know how you know they might not be able to send that staffer to be dedicated and there on site for your event i mean that that's such a good point too like you know like a lot of times these people are coming on site they need to be more generalists when it comes to their abilities right like you need somebody who not only knows the specific product features but also like understands like how it's going to be used for events and you know i think one of the biggest challenges with staffing when it comes to events is that you can't just like throw someone in a two week training and they learn how to do events, right? Like our industry is notorious for having this problem of like the best way to learn is just by doing right. And, you know, I've always struggled with that. Cause like you look at any other industry, they, they've somehow pushed past that, right? Like you can technically learn marketing online. You can learn this skill set, but like the events industry has always been stuck in this like experience based knowledge. And the problem with that is that we're, they're onboarding a lot more of these, you know, help tech support people, but then they're like, they put them through a two-month two training. But really, you need them to like have exposure to a lot of events and things like that. So I think that's really where we start to see like a decline in quality initially, initially when it comes to this. Because we're going to see like, you know, a lot of newbies coming in. And that's totally okay. You know, shout outs. We were all newbies one at one point. But like sometimes as a planner, that's frustrating. Um, but I think the exciting thing about this is that we're like preparing for this wave of the future, which I think will be my point. I think maybe at the end of the podcast uh, that I'll hint, hint towards there. You, you got my mind spinning a little bit, and I'm wondering because I, I've seen exactly what you're talking about. So, uh, I, some of the some of the work that I've done on more on the consulting side has been for event technology companies being on site to be that person on site for them. You know, to hold you know hold the hand, make sure everything goes well, help you know any attendees that are having issues. So I've I've been that person, and I've been uh, paired with you know someone who's basically temp staffing. And the oh. biggest trouble that I see is because, and I've also been replaced by people who are just basically temp staffing, <laughs> you know, you know, because hey, I'm not, I'm not inexpensive. Um, the, the, um, and, you know, and some of the, some of the, some of the companies would approach me and say, okay, yeah, we want, we want you to come do it, but we want you to come do it for like $7 and 50 cents an hour or something, you know, something along those lines. Uh -huh. Like, no, no. Um, but, but where I'm going with that is, should we be looking more for a personality type? So understanding that you can learn the business side, you know, you can learn the technical stuff as you go, um, rather than teaching someone the technical stuff and then having them have to learn how to do events. Could we mm -hmm. look for someone, look for people that have a certain, you know, personality type and then teach them the technology side? I don't know if I'm making sense on this at all, but you know, that you've got me thinking about rather than just um, you know, bring someone in who's rookie and then they've got to slowly kind of learn. It's, it's almost like bedside manner, you know, it's yeah. something that, that yeah. you know, you can, you can learn how to run an audio board. You can learn how to run the technology, uh, the event technology, but at some point you kind of need a good bedside manner to be able to deal with clients and deal with attendees and things like that. So yeah, the question that I'm kind of throwing, go ahead. I was going to say good stoicism, right? Like when things are going chaos, they got to be able to calm on pressure. Right, right. So the question that I'm kind of want to throw at you is, um, and maybe you can speak to this as a, as a business owner, is there something to be said for rather than just getting a temp person and saying, okay, we'll teach you how to do it when you get on site, mm -hmm. you know, look, going to the temp agency and saying, we need a certain type of person uh, ah. and then we'll teach them the technology in order to be able to fill these positions. 
Yeah, like, you know, we, we talk about in business all the time, like hire for culture first and skills second. And that's hard sometimes in the defense industry because, again, you can't teach it. But I think the thing is that if you start with that, you go so much further. So, like, I mean, all competitors, feel free to listen into this little secret strategy of ours. Uh, but, like, you know, even when we're hiring contractors and bringing people in, you know, like, we, we push them on, like, try to find people who are like this. Try to find people who are like this. We try to kind of, like, push a little bit of culture, like, make sure they're a good culture fit. And I think that's really, really smart to do because, you know, honestly, like, I've worked with, you know, uh, temporary, you know, employees and contractors for events before. And some are just technically incredible, right? Those smart. They, they know how to do everything but they're assholes, let's be honest. And you're like, I would never hire the asshole who is perfect at doing their job versus the guy who can do like 75, 80%, but is just a pleasure to work with on site. And I can tell you right now as a client, no one's ever, compl- no one hopefully ever seen has seen the asshole um, because we'll, I'll shield that person away from them 100%. But then, you know, they always talk about like, oh man, it was so great to work with the person who is the 80% skilled person. So I think 100%, like temporary wise, like if we can try to find people who are great to work with first, you know, like, and uh, the skill I'm kind of thinking that pops in my mind is, you know, you can talk about like culture and like, you know, all things like that, but like problem solving. If they're really good at problem solving and they can be stoic that like when things are chaotic, they can make the client not feel like they feel that pressure. I think that person can do 75% of what the events industry is. What do you think? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's funny. You got me thinking about some of my, you know, longtime vendors and, <laughs> and, you know, folks, I'm, I'm not, I won't say what the person does, but I'm thinking of a freelancer that, that I've known for decades at this point. And, What's what's funny is the person is just a really, really nice person, like really super, super nice person. Great with attendees. Very, you know, it's a very attendee facing position uh, that this person does. Um, But you're but you're guaranteed like once a year to have a really major screw up from this person. And it's a it's 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 a trade off that I've been willing to make for a very long time. I mean, like I said, I've known this person for a very long time. That that one screw up, it's usually something pretty bad. It, it's it's not, uh, you know, I, I, I'm trying not to give it away. <laughs> but let's just say <laughs> yeah, it's a, techni- yeah, a technical yeah. screw up, you know, like you you forget to... Uh, the, 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 the call the switch to the right slides at the right time. Yeah, I'm trying to think or, of a good metaphor. It's like like you forget to put the you forget to put the tape in the camera, like that kind of thing, right? You know, you, you know, you you, you, you know, okay. you, you record you, you're recording the whole thing, and then you realize you forgot to put the tape in the camera, something along those lines. So one really major screw up, a, you know, a year. But because the person is so nice and so good and such a can-do attitude and otherwise such a pleasure to work with and people love this person, you kind of just got to know. Like, that's that's the way that it is. And I think I'd take that deal most of the time uh, mm-hmm. over the person who is technically perfect but is kind of a PIA to work with. Well, I mean, that's good news for anyone who's coming into the event technology world. I'll, I'll, I'll shout out to all of our newbies who are listening to this right now. Because, you know, that means that, you know, focus, yeah, like on your personality and who you are rather than just the technical skills. I think that can go really, really far in the events industry. Like, I I would, yeah, I'm, I would agree with you 100% that I would take people that are better to work with than the people who are perfect to what they do. So we wandered into kind of where I 
thought we'd wind up a little earlier in, in the podcast than I anticipated, which is, you know, what can we do as far as hiring? Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's a good, I think that's good advice. Uh, so keeping an eye on the personality and then teach them the technology behind it. Um, I'm pretty sure you and I have talked about, like, especially when you think about like an A2, you know, the, the person who's doing all the miking and, mm-hmm. you know, is backstage working with the person. Personality type on that is huge. Like having a a personable, kind, like you say, stoic, you know, never unflappable uh, would be another good word. Having that person, you know, rather than knowing the ins and outs of every possible engineering configuration of a wireless microphone, I think goes a tremendous long way. Like that's what the A1 is there for. The A1 is the one that knows the ins and outs of the sound system, you know, more than anybody. So, so hiring for personality, anything else on the, on the hiring side before we kind of come back to, uh, you know, what we need to be looking out for on the planner side. Yeah. uh, My question was going to be like, how do you compensate when you have someone who maybe is really good personality, but like is a newbie and doesn't quite know what they're doing, you know, like how do you compensate on that end? But, um, yeah, I think that I, I think that that's probably where my next question kind of pops up. Well, I thought of I thought of one more, and that is that is you know what what tradespeople have done for eons, uh, which mm-hmm. is to partner people up and and to say yes. you know you're shadowing this person uh, on mm-hmm. this event, and and then being really honest about that with your with your clients. So this I'm thinking AV, I'm thinking event technology. I think this would work for all of the all of the event technology side, where you don't just throw someone in, you know into the deep end, you know, you bring them in and you, you know, you say, we're going to have you just follow, you know, this person along this lead, this person who is experienced and has been doing it for, for years and years. And then that person is there and available. You don't charge the client uh, anymore for that person. They're just an extra body. They're an extra hand who's there to help the help out, but mostly there to shadow. So that's one thing that on especially the audiovisual side, I think we can do to to try and you know help help get through this next section. And so it's kind of a win-win in that you've got, you know, from the client side, you've got extra hands that you're not paying for. Um, and then from you know the vendor side, you've got someone, you know, you've got extra hands <laughs> that you are paying for, but they're also learning the ropes from someone uh, who's more experienced, hopefully. You know, that brings me back to like the beginning, like I'm flashing back to the early days when, you know, shout outs to John Garberson for like taking me under his wing on the AV side of things. And, you know, I, I used to show up and stagehand shows for him. A lot of times, like I would do it for free because I was trying to learn the AV and technical production business. I just absolutely love this whole space. Um, but I think the thing that I always loved to do was I wouldn't jump back and go back home. I would stay and be behind the tech table. I would stay, I'd stay like literally as long as I could. I would stay until the last person from their crew left. And I did it because I like was orbiting. And I didn't realize that like naturally that's what you had to do in the events industry. I got lucky that I just stumbled upon that. But like what I noticed in a lot of times with like entry level um, positions in the event technology world is that they're like, I'm going to do my job and then get out. But in reality, like, so again, for any newbies listening right now, like go shadow someone that's coming in. But one thing I think I would say, since our audience primarily is planners, they're like, well, that doesn't matter to me at all, is that if you um, see that, for example, the crew has a couple more people standing around, like at the front of house table, and it's more than that you originally had, don't shame those people. Don't make them feel bad. I've had events where like, you know, they go, there's just too many people at the table. There's too many people involved, but you don't realize how many times that there's people who literally say, I'm just going to come and like work for free. 
and be there and, so, and learn from these people. And I think making those people feel a part of the crew is really huge too, because it makes, you know, it makes it less feel like a, I'm going to come in, do my setup and tear down and then I'm going to leave. But instead it's like, Hey, come in, like, let's encourage a learning environment that we all have from each other as well. And, you know, honestly, like those people who sit there quietly and just watch, they sometimes don't come in clutch. There's been like crazy things where like, you know, uh, so I'll use this as an example. This isn't necessarily someone who was trying to learn, but I had my girlfriend with me at an event one time and she was, uh, she's like, I just wanted to see the event and see it all worked out. And, you know, so we slapped her in like an endless shirt and we're like, just don't say anything. And she was just quiet and super chill. We had like something go massively wrong and she ended up being like a cable wrangler the entire show. And, you know, if it wasn't for the fact that like, you know, and that was a client that was like, you can only get certain amount of staff to be in our event and we have to have, you know, their names and all of this and this. And I was like, you know, like sometimes having that extra person that we, you end up not paying for as a client, like, oh my God, that per- my girlfriend am saving the day. Like, I don't imagine us being able to fix that one thing if it wasn't for her, you know? So I think that's just something as a planner is like, just remember that you can't like, don't make people, the company feel like they have to have a lean tight crew because sometimes those extra people are there for learning. Well, and if, if you're, if you're, I know a lot of planners are struggling with budgets as we return to in-person events. And so there's going to be that temptation to try and keep the crew as lean as possible, but it, to, to the subject of today's podcast, that increases the likelihood then that you're going to have inexperienced staff, that if it's the mm-hmm. bare bones minimum uh, of staff, they're not able to spread that out as much, um, if, if, if that makes any sense at all, that, that you're, you're, you know, by saying we, we can only have this many people on the crew and no more, um, uh, that person might then be a little bit more out of their depth. I think is what I'm trying mm-hmm. to get at, uh, as opposed yeah. to being able to lean on other people. So maybe not so much inexperienced, just not able to handle as much as a seasoned veteran who's you know been around the industry for 20 years and is kind of a jack of all trades type. Um, so being careful about that, uh, I, I you know folks out there get your drinking glasses ready. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure it was Alex Lindsay that that talks about their their production crews being that he staffs at 50 percent of capacity. So thinking about what people are capable of doing on a show, um, he staffs it so that people are only theoretically doing half as much as they, you know, as the ultimate possible that they possibly could, knowing that stuff is going to go wrong and, uh, you know, you're going to have to increase and somebody's going to have to pick this up and somebody's going to have to pick that up. And so if you tend to staff, assuming that someone is 50 to 75% capacity, there's room, there's margin of error in case they don't know how to do something or they're just inexperienced or they're not quite as fast as someone else who's been doing it for 20 years. So being a little bit more open to that kind of thing. And then again, on the production company side, just being honest and saying, we have a lot of people here, but that's because we're, we're training. We're, you know, you're not being charged for them you know, to let everybody know, don't worry about it. Um, you know, we're, we're just, we're upstaffing at this point. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Now I'm flash, having flashbacks to like a couple of really early event tech podcast episodes. So one is the episode where we argued over whether one person can run both audio and video and you know, the one, the one man that does everything and how many clients like try to force that to happen. And then I'm also having kind of flashbacks to this idea that like, of how they, the, I think we've had so many conversations about, yeah, like not understaff, like not allowing people to overstaff. But so one of the first things I think is like, you know, far too often that the idea of like, you know, giving one person to do so many different jobs. Oh yeah, you know, they'll be our video guy and our lighting guy at the same time. You know, that worked really well in an industry where there was more people 
than there was demand of events, right? Pre-pandemic when like literally like everyone was begging for work. So really the best people possible were willing to be like, yeah, I'll totally do that. And I'll, I'll, you know, I want the work, you know, on there. But like now you might end up getting staffed with someone who might, again, be an inexperienced side of things. So I think the likelihood of if you're trying to like multi-purpose a person on an event, you know, make them your, your, your internet guy and also monitor the platform, the chances of failure, I think, just are now going tremendously up. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's, yeah, that's what I was kind of trying and failing to get at. I loved it. You know, it got, it got me thinking about that. Well, what's yeah. interesting too, I think the, the thing that we have to think about when it comes to labor and stuff too, is like, you know, this isn't related necessarily just with the brain drain thing, but like the cost of everything's going up, right? Inflation's going up massively. So, you know, I've also noticed a common thing is that people are going to be surprised that staffing costs are going up. So, you know, they don't usually, most people, most nice clients don't argue your rates. They're not like, oh, I won't pay that guy $50 an hour, but they will argue over the quantity of people. But what happens is if the rates are going up, the only way they can save money or match where they're at is by decreasing the quantity of people too. So I think you also have to be careful too of like deciding yeah, to, to understaff because you didn't, weren't prepared for a 20% increase in cost. And I'll say, I think we talked about it on uh, Event Brew um this uh, last week or something like that so go check out the recession inflation episode but like you just got to be prepared right now everything's going to go up in cost and this isn't you know there's multiple reasons why but just just everybody take your event budget and add like 30 percent. just do us all a favor just be prepared for that i think <laughs> yeah yeah so you know one of the things that we talked about in that uh, original brain drain episode is is when we come back, all right, we're going to have to have a lot of little, little bit of grace, a little bit of like just understanding that not everybody is going to have 20 years of experience in the business. And so, you know, that's something that we're going to need to keep in mind. But, but the counter that I've heard from planners is uh, uh, they're, they're trying, they're trying to, be, you know, have a little grace, a little understanding, but at the same time, they're being charged more, like you just said, you know, oh, the, yeah, the, yeah, the rates yeah. are going up. Rates are going up. The quality of staff is essentially going down just because they're in not because they're bad, but just they're inexperienced. Um, and so things take longer <laughs> to do. And so it's like it's a negative kind of, in all of the aspects. <laughs> right. It's this vicious cycle. And so the frustration that I'm hearing from planners is uh, I'm trying to have a little grace, but you're charging me more. So so what do we do about that side of things that that, you know, and at what point? Does it cross over to being bad service? You know, at mm. what point does it go from I I can't pay you as much as what you what we agreed to because your person was terrible? You know, they're not a bad person. You know, that they just they just didn't do the job very well. Um, so, how do we deal with that? Oh my gosh, that's our my first I answer know. is I have, I have an easy, I have an easy answer for it, but it's not the right answer. I think is that. My first answer is just time is the thing that's going to heal this and fix this. So, you know, give it, you know, a year, maybe a year and a half, hopefully um, less than that, but maybe even two years too, that, that we're going to see a new blood of industry of industry folks come in and they're going to be better than we've ever had before. Right. And that's coming. That's the light at the end of the tunnel with this is that it's not, this is not a permanent thing. I don't think anyone in the industry all conspired to be like, we're going to have shitty labor and raise our prices all together at once. But I think that um, it will all get better really, really soon. Now, what's the right answer to this, though? Um, 
oh man, I just sympathize it's so tough. much. It's tough. It's, it's, it's yeah, there's not a so great hard. single answer to it. And and I think you're right. I think time will, will heal this. We're going to come out better and stronger. Um, you're going to get a lot of digital natives that are coming in mm-hmm. and not being bogged down with, with I mean, bogged down with 30 years of, of this is the way I've always done it. And so that's the way it shall mm-hmm. be. Um, you know, they're going to be more up on the, you know, the digital audio boards and, you know, just being able to run things off of an iPad or a computer uh, as opposed to off of a lighting console. You know, we, we were already starting to see more of that going into 2019, 2020. So hopefully um, that will continue. But in the short term, <laughs> you know, at what point does it does the line get crossed from from we get it, you're inexperienced to this is unacceptable? Well, I think that's really where a conversation with your vendor needs to happen then at that point too. Like if you suspect that this is like, you know, it's it's not good, right? Like I think no matter what, even if you think that you're, you, you should just give them grace, have a conversation with them about it because, you know, Every scenario is totally different too, right? Like I later. can't. It's, I'll just just run later, yeah. not at the not at the time. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. And maybe there's proactive conversations that you can have too. Is that you like you 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 hit the nail on the head before you come into the the event and you you hit the head and say, hey, I, I I'm really worried about the quality of labor. Can we talk through who you're planning on staffing with it? Like I think like if anyone really pushed me to like tell tell them who my techs were, talk about the quality of my staff even meet them to get a good feel for what it's like, I would totally 100% be willing to do that. But no one ever does. Everyone's just like, yeah, we trust you. You're good to go. Well, I, I know that all, not all vendors, as much as I wish that the crappy vendors and the, the kind of cheaty vendors got out of business during the pandemic, they still exist. And, you know, they there might be some people who legitimately do give you bad service. But I think having the conversation with them really, really helps with that um, because, you know, I think the vendor will wholeheartedly admit to when they made a screw up, or at least I hope they do. Versus, you know, if they did it poorly and they couldn't, you know, they, they, they did it poorly and it was just a mistake or something happened to go wrong. I think that's really where you can start to see that difference. I don't, I don't know how exactly to explain it in the right way. No, I think like, you're, I think you're you know. on the right track. I think, you know, so if we're talking about what can planners do, right, to, to, to try and deal with the situation. So one is, yeah, ask to meet, you know, your techs. Uh, try to get is, uh, talking to folks as early in advance. And I think the real key to all of this is going to be advance work. I know it stinks. Yeah, you guys have yeah. enough on your brains already trying to deal with everything uh, that, that, you know, going back to live in-person events entails, <laughs> but it's going to involve, hey, can I meet this person? Hey, can we just t- hop on a call? Hey, can we, you know, yes. can we, we do build this? out a detailed show flow? Can yeah, we build out? Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, it's going to be the details uh, in advance. So making sure, yeah, that that show flow is done as early in the process as possible and that it gets to everybody that needs it as early as possible. It's going to be even more important. All the stuff that we talk about all the time, you know, it's going to be even more important to have rehearsals. It's going to be even more important to have, uh, you know, a a tech walkthrough. It's going to be even more important. So, you know, having more of that built into the schedule as much as possible uh, so that, you know, everybody's got time to learn the show inside and out as much as possible before it's showtime, uh, rather than 
assuming, as we may have done in the past, oh, these guys are pros, they'll be able to just walk in and do it off the street. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll add in some anecdotal proof of that too. We just literally today um, wrapped up an event and we had like the whole company together and we were basically doing like a customer headline talking about that customer. And one of the quotes that I heard someone say was, you guys were the most, you know, and sorry, this is a little sound a little salesy, but you guys were the most organized, you guys were the most organized, calm collected, most, the best running team out of all the vendors. So this is one of those events where the client had lots of different vendors involved that like some of which were doing similar stuff to us uh, as well. Uh, but it's funny, like there's so many vendors involved, but they, we kept hearing you guys were the most organized. And I asked the team, I said, why do you think that we were the most organized team? And, you know, you expect to hear that answer of like, well, we're just, you know, we work well as a team and all those things like that. And they said, it was honestly all the pre-production work that we did. And that, you know, the other vendors probably looked at the event the week before, but we were literally talking to everybody involved in the event, over communicating. We literally were sometimes, you know, taking communication from within their internal organization, helping communicate to other people. And we were so involved in the pre-production process that we were almost basically part of the, the events team, basically at that point. And that's where everyone desires to go to. But the way that you get to that is through all the pre-production work. So I think one of the, the things is about this too is that yes, the pre-production work can sometimes suck up a lot of your time, but here's the part, and I apologize because I'm gonna solve this with budget, but you need to spend the money to have your team do the pre-production too. You know, don't don't skimp on your 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 production company, your event technologies. Like that that I talked about the example of the we'll give you one hour of pre-production calls from your event technology company. Go to them and say, I want more. I want to do a weekly meeting. I want to do this. I want to do more. I need this from you. I need an example of this. I need this pre-production work. Ask them for that, even if it's not on the menu. And I promise you that that company will learn that, that their event was super successful because of that. And as, as always, that's got to be part of the negotiation phase, not after you've already signed the contract. Oh, yeah. phase. It's got to be, yeah, no, we need more. Otherwise, I'm going to someplace else kind of thing. If that's not a real threat, they, then there's no incentive for them uh, to, to do anything about it. So unfortunately- Wait, wait real quick, before, before, yeah. before we go on, we haven't had a chance to quote this in a long time, but but ahead, before the contract, it's called negotiating. What's it called? <laughs> What's it called after the event? Or after the contract? Begging. <laughs> we haven't got to say that one in a couple of years. So. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Brent. Yeah, I just negotiation before the contract is signed is begging afterwards. Um, I think- so just you know just to kind of wrap that in a bow you know it, it what 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 we're saying is that we've said this all along but it's even more important now more than ever to do the pre the pre-production work to have those extra rehearsals to have you know those those conference calls to make sure everybody's on the same page communicating over communicating and 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 making sure that all of your ducks are in a row uh, is more important than ever and that's one of the ways that you are able to then uh, start to figure out the line between, well, start to mediate the the fact that you may have less experienced people on site, but then also to say, you know, afterward to say, okay, look, we gave you every possible example. We gave you every possible rehearsal. We gave you every possible thing and things still went wrong. Now you've got a case 
to be able to say, look, we can't pay you what you what you you know what we agreed to because we gave you every opportunity to make this thing go well, um, and that can help to draw that line. So more than just having grace, but actually being able to start to determine when something has crossed the line from this is okay and understandable, but too bad to this is unacceptable and we need money off the bill. Love it. Um... Well, we ended on telling them they need to spend more money on pre-production and just be prepared to hire better <laughs> staff. So that's yeah, it, more money. Time usually and, equals and money, but, more time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, should I end on a on a positive note for everyone? I think when it comes to this one, um, I think the thing to look forward in this is that, like Brant said, is that we got a new wave of event professionals coming on in, and you know. Uh, <laughs> I remember when I first started Endless, I wrote in like a SWOT analysis. I said like one of the greatest opportunities for us in the future is that, you know, eventually there's going to be a new wave of planners coming on in. And that's a lot of people who are probably listening to this podcast. You guys are set suited for that. And I think there's a huge amount of potential right now for the next wave to come in. And I think we're going to see, you know, it sucks right now because we're getting that transition. Everyone's training, everyone's learning. But man, when we come out of this, everybody's going to be working faster, smarter, better than ever before. Amen. Yep. And and the, the, the digital natives are coming and they're they're gonna be able to revolutionize our events. It's gonna be able they're gonna be able to flip between seamlessly between hybrid and in person and online. And to them it'll just be an event. And it doesn't matter what the location is, whether it's in person or online, um, they're just gonna be able to bounce from one to the other. I just realized this. I said, get ready for the next generation. Does that mean I'm part of the last generation? Yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, no. (laughs) Welcome welcome to it, man. I used to be part of that cool, exciting generation. Yeah. Now I'm I'm talking in the past. So welcome. welcome. That's a good time. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Brandon, it's been a pleasure. This has been an awesome topic. As always. As always. Awesome. Well, thanks everybody for tuning on into the Event Tech Podcast. We'd love to know what you think. Have you seen anything, any interesting stories? You know we read every single one of your emails, so we're begging you for it. Send us an email, eventtechpodcast at helloendless.com. We'd love to hear from you um, and hear any questions that you have. Also, let us know any topics that you want us to cover too. Anything interesting, any pieces of tech that you that are peaking your eye? You know, we might have to talk about the new Snapchat drone at some point. <laughs> but thank you, uh, Brand, for being an awesome co-host. Thanks to the audience for being here. And we'll see you next time on Meow, the event Meow Tech Meow podcast. Meow, meow. 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 Thanks again for listening to the Event Tech Podcast. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also be sure to head to eventtechpodcast.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. Ask a follow-up question or let us know about some event tech we need to talk about. We'll see you next week on the Event Tech Podcast.